You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Welcome to episode 44 of the Happier at Work podcast, and today's guest is Catherine Slattery from Mentoring Resources. Now, Catherine set up Mentoring Resources back in 2012 to design and deliver in-person and e-learning training programs for mentors and mentees participating in mentoring programs in professional, educational and community settings in Ireland. She believes in the power of mentoring in providing an additional level of support for those going through a time of transition and challenge, whether that's starting off in a new level of education, beginning a new role or striving for professional or personal development. Mentoring resources also design, implement and manage mentoring programs for small and large scale organisations in Ireland. Now, I have another wonderful conversation in store for you today. Uh, it's a real treat, really great. Enjoyed the conversation with Catherine and I hope you do too. Welcome, Catherine, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah, thanks, Eva. It's wonderful to be here. Um, I listen to the podcast a lot and I think it's absolutely brilliant. You're doing an absolutely fantastic job with it. Um, so. so, yeah, my name is Catherine Slattery. Um, I'm living and working in Dublin and I run a company called Mentoring Resources. So what I do is I help organizations develop mentoring programs. I also deliver training for mentors and mentees. Uh, in some cases, I'm also involved them in the coordination of those programs longer term. So my background was I originally started working in education. I actually worked in the admissions office in UCD and I used to see first year students starting off and then I never saw them again once they got in. But my next role was actually in the University of Sydney where I was involved with students as they developed you know, throughout their, their education and that was in the context of a mentoring program. So that's when I first really saw, I suppose, mentoring in action um, and I saw uh, the positive benefits for both the mentees, the new students and the mentors, you know, the more experienced students um, and I absolutely loved working you know in that mentoring area when I returned and uh, this was actually living in Australia I lived in Australia for eight years um, and I returned to Ireland at the end of 2011 when no one was coming back to Ireland um, and I decided I still wanted to work in the area of mentoring so um, I set myself up as a consultant and a trainer um, and basically got to work straight away a lot of the third level colleges were at that time really getting involved in peer mentoring um, and I I've been working with a couple of those third level colleges ever since. Um, but then the work branched out into mentoring within organizations, mentoring in the workplace, and also in community based organizations as well. So I think, you know, the, the wonderful thing about my role is, is I constantly get to meet people who want to help other people. Um, so it's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to work in this area. Yeah, brilliant. That's it's it's such a nice background. And it's it's interesting just as you were leaving Sydney, that's around the time that I was arriving in Sydney. So I lived in Perth for yeah. a while. Yeah. I traveled around Australia and then I, I got to Sydney in around uh, February, March, 2011. So um, probably just around the same time that you yeah. were leaving. Lived each other. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd love to just kind of start off the conversation understanding because I, I, I see these terms used interchangeably. So I'd love to get your perspective on exactly what mentoring means. So I see people using the term mentor and coach 
almost interchangeably. So I would love to get your view on what mentoring actually means. Yeah, um, this comes up actually quite a lot. And it's one of the things that I always try and cover in my uh, training sessions because people do get a bit confused by it. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I don't know if you've heard of David Clutterbuck, but he's sort of a mentoring guru. You know, um, He's involved in the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. But he actually makes the point in a recent book he has. Um, he's got a book written most recent book is called Everyone Needs a Mentor. Um, and he makes the point that really over the last 10 to 15 years, those two roles, the role of coach and coach of mentor have become almost interchangeable in a way. So even, you know, people, I suppose, will take on a coach or will take on a mentor and they may even have different expectations of what that coach or mentor will provide. But I suppose the main point is, you know, do they get what it is they're looking for? Um, you know, do they get the help that they need? So I suppose if you go back to the beginning and say, okay, we have a mentor, we have a coach. Traditionally, coaches might have been, you know, I suppose maybe someone needed help with their sales technique. So it was very much a performance-based thing. You know, I'm going to come in and coach you to achieve this sales figure within three weeks. Once you have achieved that figure, I'm gone. You know, I've done what it is. But coaching has become a lot more developmental than that now over the last number of years, as you yourself know. I mean, yeah. it's more looking at the person and saying, look, you know, what, 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 what is the best performance we, we can get out of you? You know, you already have the capability to achieve this and how can we make sure that that comes to the fore and you find within you, you know, the, 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 the sense that you can do this. Um, whereas mentors tend to be a little bit more, I suppose, sharing of their own experience. Um, and there's, there's different type of mentoring as well within mentoring. So it makes it even more complicated, but you can have what they used to call a sort of sponsor mentor. So that might be somebody who sort of takes control almost of the career trajectory of a protege or a junior member of staff, you know, puts them forward for promotion, really, you know, promotes them in every way. But that's very much a sponsor, sponsor mentor, whereas, you know, the more the mentoring that I'm involved in is more sort of non-directive. So, you know, that person is really being what I would call the three S's, that safe pair of ears, that sounding board, that source of possible solutions. So, and sometimes they can be a role model as well. So, you know, coaching tends to be a lot of the time it's about achieving a goal. Um, you can have internal coaches, you know, within an organization, you can have external coaches, you know, such as life coaches, et cetera, who will, will work with you. And it's all about performance. But mentoring does tend to be a lot more about developmental. Um, it can be a bit longer term as well. And I think an important distinction is that mentors will share a lot more of their own experience. Um, I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that mentoring, ment the best mentors tend to be the ones who've had the closest possible experience to that of their mentees. So you may involve, be involved in coaching someone, Aoife, but you don't necessarily have to have worked in the same mm -hmm. industry that they're in. Whereas mm -hmm. mentors who have had that exact experience of starting off in a particular organization, in a particular, particular culture, maybe they've even studied the same course. They've just got a very close shared experience. And that puts them in a really good position in terms of being able to um, you, you know, employ the empathy they're going to need to understand their mentees' needs. Um, so it's almost, you know, it's a hop, skip and a jump ahead of a coach already because they've already totally understand the context in which their mentee is maybe struggling or, or needs a bit of help yeah I'm, I'm so are you any more are you any more um <laughs> uh clear at this stage or have yeah, made things more complicated yeah, no, no definitely <laughs> I, I I totally like I think oftentimes I I hear the way 
I hear people explain coaching as exactly that performance based. And Mm -hmm. um, I can teach you how to do sales. For me, that's not what coaching is about. It is more, and maybe like you say, it's developed over time that it's this Mm -hmm. developmental approach and it's focusing on, Mm -hmm. on your beliefs about yourself and really you don't need experience you just need to be a good listener and to be able to ask really mm-hmm. powerful questions and get behind mm-hmm. exactly what someone is experiencing so that's that's my understanding of of coaching mm-hmm. um and then I loved how you explained around mentoring so it really is based on people's own experience so you have to have had that experience in a specific area and I and I think that the difficulty is that I hear people explaining coaching as being like that and for me that's Mm -hmm. that's absolutely not what coaching is about it's not about having that experience and sharing your own experience it's about listening and asking the questions but I Mm -hmm. I absolutely value the the approach of mentoring I think in its own right I think it's really really important um, I loved how you described it very simply as the three S's. So you've got the safe pair of ears, the sounding board and the source. Like that's mm-hmm. oftentimes what a lot of people really need. And especially Absolutely. for someone who has had experience in the specific area mm-hmm. or the, the mm-hmm. challenge that they're going through at the moment. Um, and especially so if they're from a similar industry or the same industry. And Absolutely. I would love to get a your views on like, what do you see as the benefits to a business of having a mentoring program? I know maybe I'll give a bit of background around this. We had um, a couple of different types of mentoring programs. When I worked in corporate, we would have had like a buddy system when someone first Mm -hmm. joins an organization. We would have had, um, you know, if you're looking to be promoted, for example, um, they they would pair you up with someone and it didn't have to necessarily be someone in the same country. It could have been Mm -hmm. in another country. They had a female mentoring program where they would pair you up with someone. You could be a mentor or a mentee or you could be both. Um, they would pair you up with someone who was more senior to you, who could provide that guidance that you need mm-hmm. in order to progress your career as a female in that organization and mm-hmm. and the approaches to take and, and things like that. Um, so that's the experience I have of mentoring in terms of how those panels, um, for want of a better word, how those panels mm-hmm. were run, maybe not the the best they weren't they weren't run very effectively in my own opinion um mostly because I didn't get a a, a mentor I was left without, without a right. mentor, which was a, a little bit of a frustration yeah. for me. um yeah. but I'd, I'd love to get your views on what you see as the benefits for organizations of mentoring and maybe we can talk afterwards about how to effectively implement a mentoring program or any thoughts that you have around that Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you've, you've covered a lot there. I mean, that mentoring program sounds very ambitious, um, but sometimes what happens within mentoring programs that are incredibly ambitious is they, they kind of fall apart at the implementation stage. Okay. Um, so it is it, interesting to hear that experience. It's always better to start off much smaller um, and, and grow it um, once it's been successful. Um, but no, to go back to your original question about the benefit um, for organizations. Well, I mean, I suppose the obvious one is that organizations are, are very focused at the moment on talent 
talent development and mentoring, you know, it, it actually ticks so many of the boxes in relation to that. First of all, I suppose it creates this culture of, look, we're developing our leaders. We're giving them the opportunity to learn from other senior people within the organization. So it's leadership development. It's also creating a, a culture where people are sort of more emotionally engaged with their work. You know, they, they want to, organizations want people to stay in their organizations, to grow within the organization. Um, and I suppose setting people up with, you know, contacts and supports within the organization is only going to encourage them to, to stay and grow with the organization. And it's just generally creates a culture of, look, we're all in this together. It's a supportive learning culture. Um, it's not the case, um, which may have been the case years ago, you know, just start off in an organization and sink or swim. Good luck. Hopefully you'll find someone to help you, you know, yeah. a friendly person. Um, we'll see, you know, but now it's a lot more, I suppose it's a lot more um, focused and it's saying, no, we, we want you to stay and we're going to support you to do it. So mentoring um, can be a hugely powerful force in that. Um, it's interesting as well, um, you know, the examples that you gave of those different types of mentoring. There can be different reasons for implementing mentoring in organizations at different stages. So that buddy system that you mentioned, that tends to be very much something that might start at the, be at the beginning. Someone starts off in a job and they're told, this is your mentor for the next six months. The recognition being that the first six months to a year in any job are a huge learning curve. And having someone who's, who's been through that experience and knows the score, who can answer those questions, you know, how do we do things around here? Now, who is the nice guy in IT who will help you with your microphone if it's not working on a Zoom <laughs> call? You know, those just little kind of small things, particularly in this day and age where you're not getting that interaction, you're not getting to walk around your open plan office, you're at home. So that kind of support often is implemented in the, in the first stages of someone's role. But then there can be more developmental mentoring. Maybe you've been in the organization a couple of years, you see yourself at the next level, but you want a mentor to, to help you, um, I suppose, you know, to get to that next level, to be that extra arm of support in terms of making a transition up further. And then there can be within, and I've done a lot of work with women in leadership programs as well. There can be mentoring programs that are put in place, you know, for which will run alongside, you know, both of these areas as well. So um, they're all extremely valuable and they're all, I suppose, they give a chance for mentors to develop skills. So it's actually helping to develop the skills of the senior um, members of the organization as well. It's giving mentees a chance to kind of, well, they have that safe environment where they can ask questions, they can practice skills, they can develop their self-confidence. It's giving the mentees and the mentors an increased sort of organizational awareness, a clearer example, clearer um, understanding sometimes of corporate culture and goals because there's sharing going on between, between different members of staff. Um, for new staff, it can be really helpful with just sometimes dealing with the reality shock of entering an industry or practice. Um, for both people um, and therefore for the organization, people are gaining, I suppose, a chance to develop their reflective skills, their analytical skills. Uh, they're getting experience of working in a collaborative relationship. Um, and overall, I suppose what mentoring can do for an organization is it can help people just feel valued and supported. Um, and that can both attract people to an organization and then retain people once they're there. Yeah, it's interesting. Like everything that you said at the start around developing a culture of leadership development, having people who are emotionally engaged in the work, an approach of we're all in this together. Like to me, all of that screams retention. And mm -hmm. I suppose that's an area that I focus on in my work is, is empowering organizations to be able to retain their staff um, 
And it's interesting as well, what you were saying about the first six to 12 months that are really crucial. And that's, that is really crucial for getting up to speed. Now, the research that I did as part of my dissertation showed it's actually the first three years that are really critical for Mm -hmm. driving that sense of fit within an organization and Mm -hmm. whether or not people are, they feel like they belong, they feel like their values align with that organization, they feel whether their needs are being satisfied. It's actually the first three years so the first That's really interesting. Kind of, yeah. yeah, it's super interesting. And mm. the more I looked into it, so that came about in the research that I carried out myself, but it was actually found in pre, in prior studies as well that it, it's it's longer than you might think. So the first kind of maybe six six to nine months is maybe getting up to speed on the systems and it's it's really understanding how like you say how do we do things around mm. here who is that mm-hmm. guy in IT that I need yeah. to if I want to get something done um but then it's you know it's those first three years and after the three years and this is, again it's not necessarily from the research because I didn't include this as part of mm-hmm. my study but after those three years is more the loyalty and the commitment to an organization like I've been here for a long time and it would probably cost me more to to learn something new at a new place rather than go somewhere else. Yes. Well, within those first three years, they don't necessarily come into play as much. So it's it's really about focusing on those three years. So um, yeah, and I yeah. suppose if you've had a positive experience of mentoring within, say, for the first six months to a year, and then you have also then you know a follow on mentor who's going to help you, you know, even. To be perfectly honest, I feel you should have a mentor at all times, you know, particularly if you're considering making a a transition. I mean, one of the things I always do in my my training courses is um, I actually bring along that David Clutter book, book, you know, everybody needs a mentor. And I hold it up and I say, you know, do you agree with this? Um, And nobody, um, people agree with this usually um, with some qualifications, uh, which are, yes, everybody needs a mentor, but it kind of depends at the time of your life. Like, so there may be a couple of years in your life that maybe you're not considering any kind of change. You're not considering any kind of transition in your role. um, And for that time, no, you don't need anyone to act as a safe pair of ears, as a sounding board, as a source of possible solutions. But if you're starting off somewhere new, if you're considering a change or a transition within the same organization, or if you're, if you're considering moving on somewhere else or moving entirely into a different sector, then yes, you do need that. So it's really um, where mentoring comes in is at a time of transition in people's lives in which this provide just this extra level of support and support comes from the person who has been there and done that. I mean, people, um, obviously, they talk to their friends and their families about their work and their challenges and, oh, I'm considering applying for this promotion. But a mentor, because they're within the organization, they have, you know, a different perspective and a really valuable perspective that they can share with their mentee. So, yeah, it, it, it can be so powerful at specific times yeah. in your career. Yeah. No, I I mean, going back to what you said about everyone needs a mentor, I would have said the same. And I understand what you're saying. Like there's, there's some times maybe where you're like, oh, well, I'm not going for the promotion and I'm not making mm-hmm. any changes at the moment. But I suppose, I mean, and maybe this is just me, but I would argue that you're kind of always looking for that next thing. Maybe not everyone is like mm-hmm. that, but if you have this kind of growth, um, if, if you're kind of always chasing that, that to mm-hmm. develop and to grow, then you should always look to be getting that, that outside help, you know, whether Absolutely. that's a coach, whether Absolutely. that's a mentor. 
Yeah, and and ch- things can change beyond your control, as we all know from this crazy year that we've had. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I would have said after eight years of, of developing in-person mentor training workshops that I didn't necessarily need a mentor for that specific thing. But I certainly needed a mentor back in May and June when I needed to recreate everything into an e-learning course. That's what <laughs> I needed a mentor. Yeah. So, you know, you, things can happen where you sort of think, oh, I wish I had that person to talk to. Yeah. Um, and it's you know what what the the real key thing about a mentor as well is and you know it's that safe pair of ears is the reason why I have that S as the first one, because the safe pair of ears come for, comes first, mm-hmm. then the sounding board, then the source of possible solutions. So even though a mentor is someone who will have all this experience that, you know, a wealth of experience that they're willing to share, they only get to that point of sharing once they've been the safe pair of ears first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some really interesting um a really interesting book I read at the beginning of the year um, was called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. Um, and she's, she's a journalist. So she wrote a, a really, really interesting book about how less um, value is you know, placed on what you absorb as a listener and more value in today's day and age is much, much more value is placed on what you project. So people are so much more interested in talking than listening. And they're, they're now engaging with thousands of people online, but maybe less people, not so much, you know, even in relation to the pandemic, but just they're engaging less face to face uh, with, with people and listening. Um, and she makes just some wonderful points about how much you learn from listening to other people. Um, but of course, for mentees, the benefits of someone listening to them, a lot of people, you know, will, will say you know, there's nobody at work that listens to them. There's nobody at work who okay. listens to them just specifically. You know, imagine the idea that you had someone for an hour, you know, even every fortnight or every month who listened just to you. How amazing that would be, you know, and that's really where mentoring really comes to the fore in terms of the help that it can give, because it can almost act as that extension of someone's personal reflective space. You know, the kind of kind of conversations like I walk my dog every day for an hour and I will often think of brilliant, you know, business ideas and things during that walk. But mentoring is almost like an extension of that sort of just thinking time that you have where you can just have that sounding board. Say, I was thinking of doing this. What do you think? You know, and then you've got that person who understands the context in which you've come up with this idea mm. to help you. Um, so the benefits of having someone to listen to you as part of the research that um, that Kate Murphy did, she asked um, every single person, you know, she, she had interviewed for the book. And this would range from politicians to celebrities to the man of the street. She asked who listens to you, who listens to you. And uh, she said that um, really without fail, everyone hesitated before answering that question. It was not an easy question for them to answer who listened to them. Um, And she also talked to a lot of business leaders who, you know, she didn't interrupt them when they talked. She sat back and listened uh, as they spoke. And she said they almost felt, acted a bit surprised. You know what, you're actually just going to listen. You're not going to interrupt me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they realized that she was just going to listen to what they said, um, they became a lot more relaxed. They became a lot more willing to share um, and a lot more open. Um, because they realize, well, I'm actually being given this time and space to articulate what I think. Um, And a lot of senior business leaders actually said, look, you know, I feel that once I've reached this uh, point in my career, that 
like, I don't think people, you know, I don't think I should need someone to listen to me. You know, I should just be able to get on with things. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because, you know, even at that level, at that higher level, everyone needs someone to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone needs that safe pair of ears, almost particularly, you know, the higher you get maybe within an organization, you need exactly, that. Yeah, that you need that safe space. And especially like if you're the managing director or the CEO of an organization, you don't necessarily have any peers at that level so that's nearly yeah. time to go external yeah. to the organization absolutely yeah yeah and there can be sometimes be a feeling of you know yeah I need to talk to someone I can trust yeah. who doesn't have a vested interest um and that's what yeah exactly where you would do. I mean that's the other thing about mentors they do provide that objectivity um another thing I often talk about in my training courses is you know what experience people have had of mentoring you know maybe before getting involved in a mentoring program as a mentee or a mentor and they will often say I've had no formal experience of mentoring, but I've had an amazing mentor just informally, you know, either in a workplace or, you know, um, my father was a brilliant mentor or, you know, they will talk about someone that they were close to that was a mentor. And those relationships can be extremely powerful and a lot can come out of that kind of informal mentoring. But I suppose what comes with a formal mentoring program that's been set up within an organization is a sense of, well, this person is totally objective. You know, they have no vested interest in what you actually do do. Whereas your father may, you know, (laughs) discourage you from going and working in China, for example. Or, you know, even a colleague may discourage you from... um, from seeking promotion elsewhere because subconsciously they don't want to move out of you know sharing an office with you you know so there can be little things that do influence the advice that people give and that's the the power of a mentor that they 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 have no vested interest and they literally um can give you objective advice um and you can feel you know obviously this takes time to develop trust with a mentor it's not something that appears straight away it's like any relationship it takes a while to develop but once you've got to that point, um, you know that you can you can come up to them with a challenge and they can help you talk through possible solutions, but they're not bringing their own desires into it. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can totally relate to that just from a, you know, it, the let's say the advice that I received when I decided to quit my job, not once, not twice, not three times, I think four <laughs> times in total. Um, and, you know, the, the the various advice that I received about moving to England, moving, mm-hmm. traveling, backpacking around Southeast Asia, moving to Australia, uh, and then leaving my job in Australia to come back, eventually to come back to Dublin. I traveled for, for quite extensively um, before I got back. But yeah, definitely had a lot of, let's say, people with vested interests in, in their own yeah. interests about mm-hmm. what they thought that I should do. Um, I'd love to, to get your thoughts, like I explained earlier about the experience I had at, at mentoring. Are there any steps that people can take in particular to create a really great mentoring experience at work? Um, absolutely, there are. So I suppose um, to go back to the very um start the first thing that people need to do if they're setting up any kind of mentoring program is to really talk amongst themselves and amongst you know all the the stakeholders mentees mentors you know before you even set up the program potential participants to get together and say well what is the point of this program you know what is the program aiming to achieve Um, because that's what you're going to need to be to explain in the training program so you need to have an idea about what what is this mentoring program aiming to achieve within the organization? Is it to support women to achieve, um, you know, to achieve promotion to more senior roles? Is it to support people so that they stay for the first six months, three years and get past that hurdle? Um, What is it about? 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is to start small. And I mentioned this to you. Um, it sounds like the mentoring program that, you know, there was various mentoring programs, there was various offshoots, but you still didn't get a mentor. So at the end of the day, start small and make sure everyone is happy. Start with six people and then make sure you have six wonderful mentors. This is very important as well. Pick people who are already supportive of the idea. Um, mentors need to want to be a mentor. And it's it's very, it's sometimes, you know, disheartening to, to go into organizations and there's mentors there for training and they're sort of saying, well, my manager told me I had to do this, you know. And that's always really, it's almost sad because it's like, oh no, they're going to have to sit through this whole mentor training and they don't necessarily even want to do this. Now, yeah. I always aim to have changed their minds by the end of the day that they do really want to do it and it's going to be the best thing they ever did. But it's, it's an uphill struggle to start from the point of the person that doesn't want to do it. So the organization needs to get a small group of really, really enthusiastic people to be mentors. One of the, you know, biggest, uh, one of the, the, the pieces of advice I always give to organizations is when you're setting up a mentor, mentoring program, one of your main aims has to be to keep the mentors happy. Because if the mentors aren't happy, forget it. The, org the program won't succeed. I mean, if they're meeting their mentee and they're saying, oh, I'm not quite sure what this program is all about. And I didn't even want to be a mentor. There's half, <laughs> half of the, you know, success gone already. So yeah. you have to have mentors that are positive. You have to start small and make sure that those mentees have such a brilliant experience with those positive small group of mentors that then those mentees want to be mentors themselves maybe not next year, maybe the year after, but they've had a brilliant experience and mm -hmm. your mentors have had a brilliant experience. So they come back for the next year. Yes. So it's all about a really brilliant experience for the first time that it's run and then growing it from there. The other side of things, which is really important is that there's a, an organizational team or a, co a coordinator behind the whole thing that is ensuring that what happened to you doesn't happen. You know, that is ensuring mm -hmm. that once people are matched, that they're meeting, that they're happy, that the mentors feel supported, that they have someone to go to if they have a concern about maybe their interaction with their mentee and they're not sure they're mentoring correctly or they're, they're just con confused about something, that they need to have someone that they can go to. And the mentee has to have someone that they can go to to say, look, um, I don't think this is going to work out. Because sometimes they, you know, mentoring relationships are like any other relationship. Not all of them are 100% successful. Uh, but there needs to be someone to go to where you can actually say that as a mentee or a mentor. And yeah. that person really needs, I suppose, just a clear overview of how everything is going and, and follows up and gives people a chance to give feedback. Um, often I'll go into an organization and they'll say, oh, we had a mentoring program, but it just sort of petered out. And the reason usually is that what they did was they said, here's your mentor, here's your mentee, see you later now, hope that all goes great, <laughs> bye. And there's no follow-up. Yeah. yeah. And there's no follow-up and, you know, there's nobody even saying, sometimes it's it's being a bit, maybe being a bit of a pain in the neck as a mentoring coordinator and saying to your mentee, have you made contact with your mentor yet? Mm. Have you arranged that first meeting? And maybe it's saying to, to the mentor, look, I know you're really busy at the moment, but don't forget your mentee is expecting to meet you next Thursday. Um, and then once they've actually met and they've got started on their relationship, you, you have to do much less of that kind of thing. But yeah. if the first meeting doesn't happen, um, you know, it's it's just, it, it can really be detrimental to the whole success of the thing. So a good coordinator, a good team behind it is really important. The other thing that's really important um, in terms of setting up a mentoring program is really good guidance on what to cover in the first meeting. So yeah. obviously you need to train your mentors 
Um, and, you know, for like in the training programs that I provide, you know, you would go through a lot of the things we've talked about. You know, what is mentoring? What's the difference between coaching and mentoring? Where does it fit in maybe with a line manager role as well? You know, what's the relationship? What is the context of mentoring in this organization? Um, what kind of preparation do you need to do to be a mentor? What kind of questions do you need to ask yourself? You know, thinking about, you know, the skills obviously involved in mentoring as well, such as listening and questioning, um, guiding and reflecting but also, you know, preparing in your head for issues that may come up. So thinking about trust, thinking about confidentiality, thinking about boundaries. So all of these things are things that are done usually before the mentors even meet their mentee. But likewise, the mentees need to do a bit of preparation beforehand as well. They need to think about what is this? What's the difference between this and coaching? Why is this being implemented? Why am I doing it? What's my commitment to this? What's my motivation for it? Mm. Um, and also then what are the skills I need to be an effective mentee? So, you know, you can't come in and just expect your mentor is going to, you know, be a, facilitate all the solutions to your challenges. You know, you're going to have to do some work as well. Yeah. So mentees themselves need to be, you know, they have a need to have a good, I suppose, self-awareness um, of their own strengths, of their own weaknesses, and maybe of patterns of behavior that they know may have hindered them in the past. They need to be able to communicate that to their mentors. So it's no good being of all the self-awareness in the world if you can't actually tell anyone about it. Mm. Um, and then they need to be able to then take initiative and responsibility in the process. So, you know, if if they articulate a challenge to their mentor, that their mentor actually maybe will then, yeah, come up with some, help them come up with some solutions. But then the mentees need to take ownership of those solutions and actually try to implement them and follow through. So all of that comes into training. So in terms of you're training your mentors, you're training your mentees. But within that, it's really important to give guidance about the first meeting. So what to talk about in the first meeting, because the first meeting is so absolutely crucial yeah. in terms of getting the relationship off for a good to a good start. And to be honest, there's really no mentoring at all in the first meeting. The first meeting is introducing each other and getting to know each other a bit, but looking at the program, wh what it's all about, the kind of preparation they've done to get ready for this meeting. Um, and really just to, to so I suppose, to start to, to build that trust um, and that sense of, you know, mutual respect that will only develop and grow throughout the relationship. And for the mentors, it's a chance to, I suppose, demonstrate their what's going to be their amazing listening skills which is the most obviously important skill that they yeah. need to have as a mentor um so for mentors they can often go into that first meeting and think oh i'll be just sharing everything oh i can't wait you know and they do generally want to just help so they think they're going to share everything they know in that first meeting but what happens is the mentee comes the way feeling like they didn't articulate anything about themselves and it, mm -hmm. it can be almost you know they might not feel like coming back for a second meeting so yeah. sometimes we have to spend a quite a bit of time in in training letting the mentors know that it might be a while before they get to share their experience and they should be the ones prepared to do you know less of the talking in the first few meetings yeah which is hard yeah. um for some people yeah yeah no it makes Everything you say makes absolute sense. And in terms of the types of organizations that can benefit from this, so I'm thinking of like the differences between how you might approach a large organization versus a medium versus a small mm -hmm. organization. Any, yeah. any I suppose, yeah. To, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the organization you were describing earlier, they certainly were on the right track because they had specific mentoring programs for particular, you know, cohorts of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably 
far more necessary in a large organization than a smaller one. Um, going back to that point about the best mentors being the ones who have the closest possible experience. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, you know, when I started off, you know, working in the University of Sydney that time, you know, I was working in the Faculty of Arts and I was working in the area of mentoring. So it would have made no sense to give me, you know, a a a um a lecturer from the Department of Chemistry. Do you know what I mean? So like it always makes sense to to try and find somebody who's had, you know, very close experience in terms of you know what they've done and how they've operated within the organization um to, to the mentee so that's i suppose the main piece of guidance um if if you're working if you have a large organization then you need to maybe focus on one area first and get a mentoring program that actually works within that particular cohort and then use that as a model to roll mm-hmm. it out to everybody else um it definitely is i suppose just a it's just what there are some common pitfalls in mentoring and that is one of them where it just everything starts too large and it's almost unwieldy and then you know people have to experience their the things that go wrong on a large scale um when they should have just started with six people yeah, <laughs> six people. yeah, yeah. yeah. no i like <laughs> yeah i like that approach definitely um yeah. so so catherine the question i ask everyone who comes on the podcast what makes you happier at work well, yes, thinking about this, Aoife, since you asked me this question, and um, I think the thing that makes me happiest at work is the fact that I get to meet so many people who want to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked quite a lot about mentoring and the power of mentoring, but I get to interact with mentors, you know, so frequently in my role. And I just, I love to see um, just how enthusiastic they are about helping other people. I mean, yeah. that's really what it is all about. Um, and, you know, just it's just a wonderful thing to see where people say, look, I felt like I really developed, I got something out of this as a mentor or I got something out of this as a mentee. But what comes down to is people helping other people. Um, and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. And I think today, um, in, in the context in which we're actually even having this discussion, you know, we're still in lockdown situation and, you know, we, we don't know when our lives are going to go back to what we knew before in terms of actually going into offices and mm. chatting to people over the kettle and sitting down with people, you know, over lunch in a cafe. So connection is so important these days. And even, you know, if mentoring is going to be done virtually or online or you're connecting with your mentor via a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams or whatever, it's that connection you're developing you're building that wonderful relationship which is helpful for both people um so i think it's more important than ever yeah absolutely and if people want to find out more what's the best way that they can reach out and get in touch with you so probably my website, which is www.mentoringresources.ie. And you can book a call with me there. Um, you can you know, find out about how to access my e-learning courses or book a workshop. Um, I've been you know, offering e-learning courses as well as Zoom sessions as well over the last few months. And that works, works quite well, actually. So um, yeah, I'd love to hear from people, even just to hear about how their mentoring programs are going. I'm always looking for good stories about good successful mentoring programs brilliant thanks so much for your time today Catherine I really enjoyed our conversation thanks Eve. it was wonderful to be here thanks for inviting me that was Catherine Slattery from Mentoring Resources and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we enjoyed having it I wanted to wrap up some of the key points that she made so the first thing that we talked about 
was the difference between coaching and mentoring. So uh, for Catherine and for myself as well, the the idea of mentoring is very much based on experience. So someone has very specific experience in the area that you're looking to be mentored in, whereas coaching, the coach doesn't need to have experience in that specific area. They're there to facilitate, to ask questions and to really probe your thinking. So it could be potentially from a more developmental perspective on personal development rather than a specific area and imparting wisdom and knowledge. I really like Catherine's approach of that there's three S's, the safe pair of ears, the sounding board and the source of possible solutions. And that's what a mentor stands for. She mentioned about the benefits of mentoring and some of the the benefits that she outlined were the culture of leadership development. People become emotionally engaged in their work. There's this perception that we're all in this together. It's a learning culture and it really drives retention. It helps people to understand how we do things around here, who does what. So really understanding what roles different people play in the organization. It can be a real benefit for women in leadership positions as well. It's also an opportunity to develop the skills of the mentors. So using reverse mentoring and it's an opportunity to develop organizational awareness, sharing goals, reflective skills. And that's something that's really important is the ability to reflect on your performance and to take that time to really understand. She mentioned analytical skills as well and how employees feel valued and supported when they take part in a mentorship program. We spoke also about whether everyone needs a mentor and I would tend to side with Catherine on this. I think everyone could definitely use a mentor. Now she had said it depends on the time in your life and if you're in a time of transition it's particularly important and you might feel in a specific role that you don't necessarily need a mentor but oftentimes we are developing, you know, most of the time and therefore there's a, an opportunity to be mentored at all stages throughout our career. Some of the specific steps she mentioned when it comes to creating an effective mentoring program then was to really set the purpose. So what is the aim? What is the point of this mentoring program? And talking about that, not just deciding at a top line level, but talking with potential participants around understanding what what are we trying to do here? The second point she made was around starting small. So make sure everyone is happy. Pick people who are really supportive of the idea, who are really going to get behind it and start with a small group of enthusiastic members before rolling it out to a wider audience really focus on picking mentors that are positive. And when people have a brilliant experience of mentoring, they are happy to become mentors themselves. The third element you mentioned then is around having a coordinator. So that could be someone to provide support, to provide feedback and to help you to understand like what kind of things should you cover in the first meeting and to follow up with people and to chase people down to make sure that they are taking part in that mentorship program. We also spoke about the elements that are kind of understood within the mentoring relationship, and that is around trust, confidentiality 
and boundaries within the relationship. She also spoke about the responsibilities of the mentee in the relationship, and that is to have that level of motivation, to have a level of self-awareness, to be able to identify your own patterns of behavior and, and to be receptive to feedback on those, to be able to communicate your capabilities and to take on board feedback and to show initiative and responsibility as well. We spoke also about the level of preparation that needs to go into it and how as a mentor, you expect to go into this relationship imparting lots and lots of wisdom and imparting all of your knowledge within the first few sessions. But the reality is the for the first few sessions, it's really about establishing that relationship, questioning, listening and building that relationship with the mentee. And really, the first meeting should be about getting to know each other, establishing trust, boundaries, respect, and really listening to what's going on. As always, I would love to get your feedback on the podcast. Absolutely feel free to get involved in the conversation over on social media. Next week's guest is Helen Joy, and she talks all about what it means to be a manager. So when you first step up and your first managerial role and what can we do to support managers better when they transition into that really, really crucial role. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.